Max Verstappen has a healthy 19-point lead going into this weekend. Has the championship just got one last twist for Lewis Hamilton to get back into the race? Welcome back to the Grid Talk podcast. My name is Louis Edwards and I'll be your host for the 2021 Brazilian Grand Prix preview. Joining me today are engineering student Away Medford. Hello. Adam Burns from the DNF1 podcast. Even no. And Tom Downey from the Everything F1 podcast. Hello. We'll start with you, Wayne. As I said, Max Verstappen, 19 points now, the gap um, between him and Lewis Hamilton. Going into another race where I think most people would predict Red Bull to be quicker. And even if they're not, it's a track that Max Verstappen has always been very good at. You know, is it potential that Max could further extend his championship lead? Yeah, I think after the sort of events of Mexico, um, which I, I think had a, a, a Mexico just as a track, I think suits obviously, obviously it's the Red Bull, you know, altitude. Um, but I think there is that obviously, you know, the, the long straights do allow uh, Mercedes to sort of get back in and stay within the fight. Um, I don't think that's going to be so much the case, um, particularly uh, at, at Sao Paulo. Obviously, it's twistier. Um, and it's got and it's got some fast corners, but there are also some quite slow ones that we're I'm thinking will probably benefit the Red Bull. Um, and as as much as it's you know not at such a high altitude, so it shouldn't sort of sway so far so far in um, in Red Bull's favour. I think the I think the sort of twistiness of it uh, will make it hard to follow for for Mercedes if they do end up behind. Um, and and it's it's seeming that yeah the Red the Red Bull is the car to have, um, and and just based on the result. Uh, that we've just seen um, over the weekend, uh, it looks like uh, Verstappen. Uh, you know, I did that. If you were going to put down maybe a result that was actually going to swing the championship, right? Sort of quite clearly to, um, towards Red Bull. Um, I think this is the most likely to, that, that would sort of be at the top of your list. It, it just seems to feel that it's it's just starting to get out of reach for, uh, for Hamilton and Mercedes there. Yeah, it it certainly. Well, kind of looks like that way. And Adam, it's not just going to be, um, you know, sort of, well, one race, but in quotations this weekend, we, of course, do have the third and final sprint qualifying um, this weekend. That means more points up for grabs for Verstappen and Red Bull. And it could just really start to go their way if Mercedes don't turn up with a competitive car. It's been the tail of the season, hasn't it, with Mercedes? Um, we suspected ever since from the first day of testing that Red Bull may have a package that could not only challenge Mercedes, but give them a real run for their money in the championship. And as we've seen throughout the season, there's been occasions where Mercedes have found some facets of performance, in some cases quite substantial, perhaps they've not alluded to in the past. And uh, it's kind of made us doubt as to whether or not uh, this sort of advantage that Red Bull have is going to last throughout the season. And time and time again, no matter what Mercedes have thrown at them, Red Bull have always seemed to have an answer. We come to Brazil now, of course, as you mentioned already with the sprint races, where every point is going to be crucial. There's now only one point separating both manu uh, both constructors, I should say, in the Constructors' Championship. So even the sprint point, even the sprint race points are going to be crucial. And, um, you know, not to play devil's advocate, guys, but just a little casual reminder whilst we're talking about the sprint race briefly, that uh, in every sprint race that we've had this season, Hamilton and Verstappen have collided with each other in the main race. So uh, you never know, might be the third time that we might see that this season. I know we've been expecting it to happen again, but uh, it, it's so close to call right now. And I'm not sure personally what Mercedes can do that they haven't already done, but it's Mercedes, it's Lewis Hamilton. They'll just have to keep trying. And if anyone can find a way, it's them. But even that may not be enough to beat Red Bull and Max Verstappen at the moment. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point, Adam, that I was going to, to bring to Tom because Mercedes do have, you know, this kind of opportunity in the sprint race to maybe put Verstappen on the back foot come the main race. And, you know, if, if things are starting to look bleak for Mercedes in the sprint race, you know, pushing Max off the track and putting him in down to the back of the grid for the main race is probably not the worst strategy. Uh, no, and Turtle Wolf has certainly alluded in the past that he's he's been sort of conscious or perhaps accused Red Bull of some dirty tactics. I think he spoke about it after the collision in Monza, which was 
more Verstappen's fault than anything. Um, but it does feel like the championship is slipping away from Hamilton now. Um, I think it is safe to say that Max has got a hand on on the trophy itself. Um, and I do wonder how long it'll be before Red, uh, sorry, before Mercedes perhaps begins to get a bit desperate in terms of what they're going to do to to try and get Hamilton ahead. Um, we we perhaps saw a bit of the pressure beginning to show in Mexico with that slow uh, slow pits off of Bottas. You know, I sort of had Monaco flashbacks at that point, um, and I wondered if Toto was going to come out and blame Valtteri for not stopping exactly on the mark again, um, as, he, as he did back in May. Just. <laughs> The sprint quality, as Adam mentioned, is um is well, it's not qualifying, it's a race. You don't get points for qualifying, you get points for race, and there are points awarded and all the rest of it. I'm gonna call it a race and fight me if you think otherwise. Um but it's it's another opportunity for for, for the two of them to go side by side because this weekend we are going to have a minimum of two race starts with those two probably going to be very, very near to each other on the grid. And which I think we're going to possibly see some sparks fly this weekend because Hamilton's only won, I believe, twice in Brazil in all his years. And obviously Max won the most recent one in 2019. Um, and we know how, uh, how Hamilton got on when he was racing a Red Bull in Brazil in 2019. Yeah, it's... Um, it's with with both Lewis and, and Max, it is tracks you'd expect both of them to do well. While Lewis has not won many races, um, he has always been strong here, and he's got uh, well heavy ties with this track away, um, winning the championship here in two thousand eight. But realistically, with now being nineteen points behind in the championship, coming to a Red Bull, uh, what should be and what most are going to consider to be a Red Bull track when you're in that kind of position what what can you do like what what does lewis hamilton need to do apart from obvious the obvious of beating max um like what did them and mercedes like realistically need to do in these last four races to to stop max winning it before we even reach Abu Dhabi? i mean i mean mathematically what there's I've got to do the maths. It's twenty-eight. It's twenty-eight points basically. Um, it, it, it is going to stand between them, assuming that um, you know Hamilton. Hamilton wins every race uh, coming up, and Verstappen comes second. Um, that's sort of the. I think the the, the more realistic it's like the more realistic of the two scenarios, assuming Hamilton's going to win. Um, I think it's going to take either reliability or um, somehow getting inside the head of Max Verstappen, but. Uh, you know, I, I, I sort of prophesized, not pro, not even prophesized, but it's kind of came to the conclusion that, or, or kind of, I don't know. Basically, my entire point was, um, Hamilton's done this how many, t- seven times? You know, and then if, if you're counting chances where, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's like, uh, it's five to seven times that Hamilton has had to go to the last race or to a full seasons, um, where he's battling someone either in the team or out of the team. Um, and Verstappen's never had to do that. Um, and, and it's a, it's a sort of, it's a statistic that they mentioned on the broadcast over the weekend, but how, uh, you know, Verstappen's never actually won a championship before now. Um, but it's, you know, it's one of those things where he just, I, th- I think it's going to take a massive upset or, or just change in Max Verstappen's mentality. Um, I know I'm not really answering the question, but I don't. I don't think there's a lot they can do. To be honest, I think it's going to take a miracle. I think it's going to take, you know, we're, we're talking about hitting people off the track at this point. So it's not even a case of, you know, under normal race circumstances. I think it's probably sewn up for Red Bull. Um, obviously, you know, I don't. I don't know what the racing's like at Qatar, but we're expecting Saudi Arabia is going to be, you know, very much a, a Mercedes track, but. I, you know, it, it's all it's all coming Red Bull's way, and I don't think there's much they can you know, they can be done by Hamilton or, uh, or Mercedes to to really do anything beyond you know the the, the sort of solutions that are going to get them you know heavily scrutinised by the FIA and the media. Yeah, it, it, 
it definitely seems like it's going to be more of an uphill struggle. But Adam, I'm going to talk, take the focus away from you know Hamilton and Verstappen, and and within Mercedes there is another driver, Valtteri Bottas, who stuck it on pole in, in Mexico. Um, was well, his race was then over by turn one, but. You know, we're starting to see a better Bottas than we've seen for a lot of this season. And he's a driver who seems to be, you know, released from the pressures of, you know, having to perform for his Mercedes seat. And we're really starting to see the best of him. You know, he still has quite a crucial role to play in this Constructors' Championship. And do you see him coming into Brazil, you know, hopefully getting further in the race this time? But you know, still being up there, still being on par and still doing a good job? Um, well, the race in Mexico was really unfortunate for Valtteri. You know, as you, as you already mentioned, um, you know, he lost the lead. Obviously, Max Verstappen going around the outside of both Mercedes cars. Um, and, you know, you know, not to allude too much on what Toto Wolff and Lewis Hamilton were talking about post-race, but Valtteri didn't really play the team game very well at all. Um, he, you know, he made it quite easy for Max to be able to go around the pair of them. If he'd have stuck to his line and stayed where he was, then both Mercedes could have blocked Max off and perhaps tried to maintain the lead. We'll never know, but it did seem that that was possible for him. But um, I think what I'm liking about Valtteri, that aside, is he's very much racing for himself now. And he's doing that with the confidence of this new contract that he has signed with the Alfa Romeo team that's going to keep him there for the medium term for a few more years to sort of oversee this new rebirth, this new project into 2022 that he will be very much at the forefront of in the same way that Sebastian Vettel perhaps found a new lease of life for Aston Martin. And uh, we might see the uh, benefits of that in the coming years as well for him. So, you know, the races that remain, what we've seen from Valtteri since he signed that new deal not necessarily the team element um, or trying to help Hamilton win the Drivers' Championship at the moment, because I don't think he's really done much of that other than do his own best performance. But he seems to be driving with that freedom, almost pun intended, if you like, with the handbrake taken off. And he's really starting to find that form that I think a lot of people knew he had in him, but just didn't really bring it out enough. It, it just goes to show how important mental uh, stability and mental, um, if you like, mental freeness, if you like, you know, that lack of isolation that perhaps he's had um, during the darker times at Mercedes that he now no longer has to worry about because his future is secured and he's now driving to a higher standard. We saw that in qualifying at Mexico this weekend and, and Valtteri has been one of the best qualifiers in Formula One for the last couple of years. Now, I know granted he's had the, one of the best cars to do it in, but um, it, it's taken the best qualifier F1 has arguably ever seen to make Valtteri look like he's average, which he's not. So I, I'm expecting Valtteri to continue what he's been doing. Hopefully he won't get tagged at turn one in Brazil uh, in either race or have any more reliability issues that he's been hampered with. And hopefully he can score enough points on his own accord to give Mercedes a good chance at least winning the Constructors' Championship. Yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, it is is a team game and having both drivers on board is, uh, is, you know, the most important. And uh, Tom, sticking with the constructors, you know, uh, championship, but now moving down to the battle for third place, which um, very much swung in the way of Ferrari um, in Mexico. They finished fifth and sixth, McLaren only picking up a single point. And we're going into another race where it's slower corners. It's, you know, it's not as much high speed corners as, um, what favors McLaren, you know, it could, you know, that gap could get even, even bigger and Ferrari, well, both Ferrari drivers just seem to be on a great wave of form at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Um, the swing in the constructors in Mexico was not what I initially expected, but as soon as I saw Danny Rick have his clash with Bottas at the start, I thought mm, he's going to struggle to get back in the points. Um, Lando did well to at least get a point from McLaren because at one stage I did think they were going to have zero points all weekend because obviously Lando started at the back with that engine penalty um, interesting fact side note this is the first time that Ferrari and Mercedes have scored the same amount of points in a race since Belgium 2014 when they both scored uh, I believe it was 18 points So, that, which if you think about how dominant Mercedes have been that is you know, that's that sort of blows your mind a bit. But um, I think Ferrari will certainly have a sort of firmer hand on thirds in Brazil. 
obviously we have two unknowns coming after that in with with the new circuits, but I don't think it's going to be pretty for McLaren this coming weekend. Um, what would be really nice would be if we saw Carlos Sainz repeat his first podium of two years ago, obviously with a different team this year. But um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the Ferrari sort of maybe qualified, maybe about P5 and 6. Again, the drivers themselves have been so close uh, in terms of Sainz and Leclerc. I wouldn't be surprised if they qualify next to each other and there's maybe a tenth and a half or something in it. They've been that close this year. Um, but yeah, it's it's it should be good for sorry good for Ferrari this this weekend, and I don't think it's going to be good for McLaren this weekend. Yeah, the the way that the you know the cars are built and the way the sort of the trends we've had over the season it would suggest that. But uh, I mean, we're focusing on the drivers now. The seven and a half points separate these two Ferrari drivers. Um, Leclerc in sixth on one hundred and thirty eight points. Um, science in seventh on 130.5 points. I think it just really goes to show just how strong this Ferrari team is. The drivers that they've got are both working, you know, to the optimal they can. And now that they've got, at the moment, third place in the Constructors' Championship, that, you know, the team must be buzzing. And that confidence really could, you know, just showed great performances in these two drivers, which, as Tom mentioned, podium is not completely off the, you know, off the cards. Yeah, I think it would be, it, you know, it could have been easy for, um, you know, obviously after the revelations of a couple of years ago, it could have been easy for Ferrari, you know, having, uh, you know, completely, completely flawed concept um, once sort of uh, brought back in check. Um, it would have been easy for them to sort of fall back, and um, you can imagine the, the morale within Ferrari, uh, within Ferrari, sorry, um, just completely dropping off, and and that hampering performance. But they've, I think, they've shown fairly, fairly emphatically that within you know a year and a half, eighteen months, that's right, a year and a half, two years, they've managed to you know pick themselves up, put some put some new upgrades on, redevelop the car, you know, and and put them out actually in, in a fairly strong position, far stronger than we thought. Um, coming into 2022, which is, I think, their aim. Um, it's got to be their aim for me. And I, I, I kind of hope that they're not taking too much out of the development of the 22 car just to get back on terms in 2021. Um, I think that, you know, the, the quality of the drivers, they've, they've set themselves up with two quality drivers for the next sort of era, maybe. Um, and and it seems that there's sort of a, you know, as you say, it seems that they're, they're, there's, there's real fight back in Maranello when maybe it seemed for a few years that it had just the light had gone out and um and it's these sorts of things that can take you to world championships i mean it's 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 shown you know in the points that they're only seven and a half points uh apart from each other there's there's 30 po- uh well sorry uh 20 uh, sorry 25 and a half points um back to ricardo behind them in the, uh behind uh science and the constructors the only way the only really way real way they can go is forward and um you know it could it it could end up, and it, I think it's quite feasible based on the price of Ferrari now that they that um, uh, uh, at least Leclerc, but um, maybe even Science will get ahead of Norris. Um, and and you know if if there's a bit of misfortune, even Perez, uh, and that would be a big sort of scalp. I don't think they're going to get any. Obviously, they're not going to get anywhere near Red Bull Racing in the uh, in the constructors there. But you know the the fact that they've managed to pull themselves up to third, they they're probably going to put away McLaren just based on the pace we've seen, unless, you know, they completely lose it in the last couple of rounds. Um, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of, there's a lot of things to be happy about if you live in Maranello and, the, and you work for a, a team called Ferrari. Yeah. The, the strides up Ferrari have, you know, come on in the last, well, the last year, considering how poor they were um, in 20, in 2020, you know, it's impressive stuff, and if they do continue this into twenty twenty two, then they could they could be a real force. Um, Adam, we'll move on to McLaren. Um, of course, Lando Norris started from the back of the grids last weekend due to um, engine penalties, took multiple new parts, and he did fight his way back to finish uh, P ten. And now that he's he's had his grid penalty, it's out of the way now. McLaren, with especially with Lando, can go on a bit more of a charge in these final four races. You know, how much of a benefit is that going to be? Um, considering, I don't think 
Ferrari are going to take any um, grid penalties. But, you know, just that sort of psychological sort of advantage. We've got a fresh engine in Lando's car. If it holds out, of course, um, it could be a big advantage. It could well be. Um, it, it seemed inevitable that McLaren were going to have to take an engine penalty of some format, um, owing to the issues that the Mercedes engines have had this season. We see Aston Martin were having a lot of that as well with Lance Stroll, um, and of course Sebastian Vettel before that. Um, and Otmar Zafner on the, uh, I think it was on Sky Sports coverage doing qualifying, did say, or practice, I think it was, he did say that... Um, it seemed that Mercedes have got a quick fix that they've managed to sort of source out for their issues. So perhaps they've done something similar for McLaren in that regard for Norris. Um, and as you said, given the upward trajectory that we've seen from Ferrari this season, especially in the last uh, month or so with the new electrical upgrades that they've got to their power unit, which has really done them a massive service um, in terms of the consistency that they've had in the last couple of races, you just feel that McLaren, hopefully for their sake, reliability is the last thing that they need to worry about. Um, they shouldn't be in a position where that is a problem. So they can focus primarily on the races themselves, getting the performances back to where they were around Sochi and in Monza when they were winning races and nearly winning another one in Sochi. So it's not going to be an easy fix for McLaren, but they don't have any time to sort it out. Norris put in a strong performance this weekend in Mexico, despite his setback in qualifying. Um, I think that was his best performance he put in since Sochi. And... Hopefully for Lando, um, he might, you know, I still think he's struggling a little bit from the hangover, if you like, from what happened at Sochi on a mental level, because he was phenomenal. Uh, I think other than Max Verstappen, up until Sochi, he was the best driver on the grid this season. Um, so he's definitely going to need to find a way to push through that again and get himself back in the fight with the Ferraris, because right now they're out on their own and McLaren are not really causing a threat. And then you bring Ricardo to this, who's had some dizzying highs this season, but he's equally had some stumbling lows. And last week was definitely more of the latter. So McLaren's game plan is simple. They need to be consistent. They need to avoid incidents and their drivers need to be in tip-top form because if they're not, Ferrari, as we've already mentioned, look very likely that they're going to take that third place this season. And whilst that's not a disappointment for McLaren, considering where they were at the start of the season... I think they might be disappointed in the way that this season could finish for them. Yeah. And Tom, you know, with, you know, the sprint race um, this weekend, I think we've often seen that McLaren's race pace tends to be a, a bit better than what you ever see on a, on a Saturday or a Friday in this case, in their sort of true um, sort of pace of their car. You know, what, considering this battle with Ferrari, you know, the sprint race could be a, you know, big use to them. They get ahead of, you know, one or get either, you know, Dan, uh, Daniel Ricciardo or Lando Norris ahead of one of the, the Ferraris or even both of the Ferraris. That's still going to, that's going to be big for Sunday where you'd expect Ferrari to be faster. Yeah. If McLaren can get a driver ahead, it will, it will obviously help because, you know, They'll be ahead on the grid. Whether whichever driver it is, um, whether it be Daniel or whether it be Lando, I honestly don't know which one I put my money on at the moment. A few races ago, I said Lando all day long, but now I'm not so sure because Danny Ricks had quite the resurgence. Um, if they can get ahead, I think he'll really benefit them because he'll give them the upper hand on strategy as well. They might be able to force, uh, force Ferrari into perhaps pitting early maybe make one of the drivers commit to a two-stop or, or just, just do something just to just to spice it up a bit. Um, on the flip side, if the Ferraris get a good launch and get get a good start to the to the sprint event, they might end up just net ahead of the two McLarens and then it could just be an even worse day at the office um, when I think McLaren are going to be suffering sort of anyway this weekend. Yeah, it is. It is definitely um, a possibility. Now, um, Wayne, another battle. We've got like three battles going on in the, in the constructors' championship um, this season. Um, got Alpine in fifth on one hundred and six points, um, as well as Alpha Tauri in sixth place, also on one hundred and six points. But um, with Alpine, it's it's not been easy, and they've. They have been wildly inconsistent. 
And with, you know, just how strong AlphaTauri seem to be, um, you could could you see them losing that fifth place? Because at the moment, they've only got it because Ocon won, has won a race this season. Yeah, it seems, um, you know, it's a dead heat. Uh, just you know, if you if you took the, the figures at face value, you know, it's 106 to 106, but I don't think that's really told the story of the season. As you say, Ocon's won a race. Um, you know, Gasly's been putting in the performances, and, and Sonoda, you know, unfortunately kind of got punted off uh, in Mexico, which was unfortunate for him. And he's had some, incons- you know, he's been bringing down AlphaTauri's um, results, and you know, it's kind of, it's kind of been bringing down their form so far. So you know, he's 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 unfortunately been the uh, the less consistent side of the garage um alpine's per, uh, per reliability hasn't been great either um i think sort of looking forwards rather than backwards at this point um at least in brazil uh i'd put for my money i think alpha are going to pull ahead um of alpine uh just based on the fact that they've got honor engine uh, in the back of their car um which is you know I mean, if it's strong, if it's if it's strong enough to start uh, to 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 push along a red uh, a Red Bull car, um, you know, fairly close to a Mercedes, uh, I think you know, compared to an Alpine uh, power, a Renault power unit, which is not not amazing, um, uh, you know, I, I think the advantage definitely goes to AlphaTauri there. Um, I'm not sure the Alpine's so good in the corners. It seems that you know you can sort of hustle the uh, the AlphaTauri, which is so, something you can. That the, the uh, will will bring you lap time at so uh, at Interlagos, and um, you know I think with with Sonoda, hopefully you know hopefully it doesn't knock his too his confidence too much doing taken out on lap one, but I think uh, at least for the for the next week or so, uh, it's advantage AlphaTauri. I don't know what's going to happen in Qatar and and Saudi Arabia, um, and and I think it's it's probably all to play for really once you get to uh, once you get to Abu Dhabi, but the 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 you know the story might be over there by then. It, you know it might be done and dusted. Um, but for now, yeah, like I say, I think it's AlphaTauri's to to lose here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think definitely recent trends show that. But um, I just want to bring sort of like one one thing up, um, Adam. You know, Fernando Alonso. He has been Alpine's probably most. He has been their most consistent point scorer. You know, he finished ninth place in Mexico. Ocon was at the points, like thirteenth. But Fernando, with this weekend being a sprint race, Fernando has a weird tendency to make an alt- alternative strategy work. He's so good off the line, and all he has to do is just hold it for, you know, a third of a race distance, and he gets himself a really good spot on the grid for Sunday. How, you know, with, you know, the amount of experience Fernando has, how much is that going to help Alpine in these sort of final four races? you know, in this battle with, with AlphaTauri? Well, they certainly are going to have to rely on Fernando's innate ability and experience. Only he really has to try and pull a rabbit out of the hat, if you like. Um, because at the moment, AlphaTauri have been on an absolute tear. Their form has been brilliant. Pierre Gasly has been incredible the last few races. We saw this weekend, Pierre Gasly, in my opinion, was drive of the day. I think he was phenomenal. Um, in an Alpha Tauri that has had high peaks, but also some difficult days as well. And it seems they, you know, they seems that they've gotten on top of their car at the moment and doing really, really well, which has obviously raised some alarm bells at Alpine, especially given that, um, you know, after the double retirements um, in Italy and Russia that Alpha Tauri had, since then in Turkey and the US Grand Prix and um, also, you know, the Grand Prix we just had in Mexico, I think Alpine, unless I'm mistaken, have only scored three points. So uh, that's quite worrying. So they're going to have to rely on Fernando Alonso to sort of get his head in the game and put in more strong performances like he was earlier in the season. Um, And even to some degree, Esteban Ocon as well. I mean, the win in Hungary was incredible, but in a way that kind of was a little bit of a full storm um, to how his season has gone in general. You know, it's kind of been the highlight of it, but obviously it's kind of masked some of the uh, lower days this season. So Alpine... In terms of the overall package, I think they're going to be beaten by Alpha Tauri. The question is, is can Fernando Alonso put it all together with Esteban Ocon, of course, for one final push to try and keep that fifth place for Alpine? If you were asked me to bet on who's going to get fifth place, I would say 
right now you have to side with Alpha Tauri and Pierre Gasly. Sonoda has also chipped in as well. I think qualifying, he was superb um, on his own pace, at least, you know, minus obviously the controversy with Red Bull, which was very, very strange. Um, not that I thought we did anything wrong, but um, as far as Fernando Alonso is concerned, I just hope he gets it all together. And, you know, we love Fernando, he's box office, but Fernando really needs to try and pull it all together and put in more of those performances we saw earlier this season. Because right now, out of those four drivers, there's only one of them that um, is really putting it together for his team. And it's not Fernando in the Alpine. It's very much Gasly and Alpha Tauri right now. Yeah, Pierre Gasly, he's on a phenomenal run, not just, you know, in the last few races, the last two seasons, really. And Tom, you know, we're talking about Pierre Gasly, obviously talking about him very highly. He's been fantastic. Here we are, two years late, you know, two years ago, he got a podium here in in Brazil. You know, okay, it was under fairly dubious standards with um Hamilton and Albon, but still he was there. And you know, he's he's gonna he's gonna come back to this Grand Prix, he's gonna relish the fact that he's back and he's gonna potentially do yet another incredible job. Yeah, I, I don't think Gazi's getting the recognition he deserves for the season he's had. He's taken that Alpha Tauri to places where it shouldn't be because the, that Alpha Tauri is not the fifth quickest car on the grid. Um, and Gasly is driving well beyond that car's ability. You know, he's been back on the podium again. He could have easily been on the podium in Mexico, you know, if um if something would have happened in front of him. You know, yes, he wasn't like nipping at the heels of Perez or anything, but you've got to remember, whilst whilst the rebel hierarchy says that Alpha Tauri is the sister team, we all know it's still the junior team, and it is a fundamentally easy car to drive, but it has more compromises than the than the main Red Bull car. But he has done a superb job all season. He had a bit of a rough start in Bahrain, but Aside from maybe one or two races where he's been at the points, I think he didn't score points in Zandvoort. He has been uber consistent this year, always sitting between about P5 and P7 or P8 in a car that shouldn't be there. Um, as, for, as for Sonoda and sort of Alfa Tari in general, I do agree with Adam that I think Red Bull were a bit harsh on Sonoda on Saturday. I can't see where they were coming from that it would have distracted the two rebels I was over behind. And if I watched the onboard of Perez, I can kind of see why he went off because you're so finely tuned in, you're so in the zone for a qualifying lap that the smallest thing can just knock you off. And I think that that is what happens, Perez. But Sonoda has got better this season. I was really critical of him earlier in the season. Um, and I think if he can just Ishino can just sort of hang on to what he's doing, just get a few more Q3 appearances, get a few more points, then I think Alvatari will secure fifth in the championship. Yeah, I think a lot of people have just been kind of just waiting for Yuki to do something. And, you know, ever since he's now got Alex Albon on as like a driving advisor and Alvatari are really putting in efforts to, you know, help him, I think in the long run, I think it will pay off. I think he was very unfortunate in Mexico, A, with the qualifying, and then B, to be involved in the incident that he was, that um, put him out on lap one. Um, so now we're, you know, we've got, we'll just continue going down the Constructors' Championship at this point. Um, away in Aston Martin, they're in seventh. Realistically, they're not going to lose any points to Williams, and they're not going to be catching... Um, Alpine or Alpha Tauri, unless they think they actually have to win races um, to be able to do so. Um, but you know, points for um, points for Vettel in the last race. Um, Stroll was you know completely down. It's just something's just not clicking at Aston Martin, and it hasn't been clicking all season. And I don't think we'll expect it to click here in Brazil either. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate, really, that we're changing regulations as, you know, obviously they, they, they need to make a, well, they, you know, I think their closest rival is, is funny enough, it's probably Alpine uh, in front of them in the, you know, just based on what everything we've just said. Um, but, you know, it's still, 
it's still something like 38 points away. Um, and it's, it's annoying that it's that the next season's regulations aren't more applicable for them because they can't use, they can't use the remaining four races and, you know, as, as almost like a, a, a pre, a pre-season, um, uh, pre-season testing sessions, uh, where, where there's, you know, obviously the chance of getting a bit more money and, um, and, uh, yeah, sorry, a bit more money and, and a bit more sort of sponsor time. Uh, you know, I think, you know, Sebastian Vettel did fairly well, um, out of uh, out of Mexico, um, obviously Lance Stroll was going to be hamstrung by the fact that it's you know he's got he's got a comparatively weaker engine than he's probably used to. I obviously crashed it in uh, in qualifying. You know, um, it's it's a bit more difficult. Uh, you know, fourteenth isn't isn't setting the world alight um, though. So it's it, you would expect maybe him to have got a bit further um, just based on everything that happened. You know, a couple of retirements and. You know, a lot. Of, you know, all the things happening. You know, Giovinazzi is in front of him. Kimi Räikkönen's in front of him in there, um, which is not amazing. Um, I don't know. I think they're, they're in a they're in a sort of ignominious position, I guess. Uh, I think you know, bearing in mind they're, they're restructuring. There's got a lot. There's a lot of things that are changing at Aston Martin. You know, whether you believe the rumours that are, or, or the uh, the things that are coming out of um, out of Silverstone. Um, or not, you know, from, you know, there might be turnover of staff or whatever, but either way, that was a team that used to do a lot on a small budget. And uh, right now it's just not performing. And um, unfortunately, I, I hope at least that they're, they're just pushing everything into 2022. That's where I see that the, the most profit, um, you know, up the grid for them. Um, so right now, I, I, I think, you know, it's, it's just to see out the rest of the season for them. You know, see if you can pick up anything in some crazy scenarios at tracks we've never been to before. You know, see, see if you can get something out of that. But for right now, it's, you know, there's, <laughs> to echo the words of Ross Broad trying to manage his Mercedes drivers, you know, there's there's a massive gap behind and there's nothing to be gained in front, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, there's realistically, they're not going to be losing out to Williams. Um, anytime soon, and they're not really going to be catching um, the likes of Alpine or or AlphaTauri ahead. And you know, just sort of going off what Owen said, Adam. You know, they've just got to see off the rest of the season now, don't they? They've there's nothing really to be gained. They've just got to make sure that they get to the end of the season. Give you know the sponsors their <laughs> their time in the midfield, and hopefully come back stronger in 2022. Yeah, Aston Martin were really hampered, probably more than anybody else uh, at the start of the season with the new regulation changes. Although, you know, you could argue that that is sometimes the drawbacks when you don't design your own car. Um, That if, you know, regulations hit one team that you get your ideas from, then it's going to hurt you more because you don't understand it as well as the team that obviously you are trying to mimic with all due respect to them. That being said, of course, this year has been you know, because the rules were homologated, we were going to get something like this was going to happen to somebody. Um, you know, Mercedes have been able to work around it with obviously their low rate concept, obviously hindering them at first. And have obviously been able to work around that to put together uh, a fairly strong championship challenge, which of course is not over for them. They've still got a chance of winning it despite that. Aston Martin, on the other hand, have obviously had a lot of issues trying to get around that. They're obviously going through this new phase now where it's about a five-year project. I think Lawrence Stroll was alluding to um, earlier this year about the new facilities are going to have the new wind tunnel, the new simulators, the new factory. You know, it's all going to take time. This Aston Martin project is going to take at least four or five years before they perhaps will stand out as a team that can win world championships. It might come sooner. They may stumble across, uh, they may stumble ac- across uh, an incredible car that they've built. Um, maybe not in 2022, but in a few years time, if they understand the rules a bit better, then you know they could put together a challenge sooner. Um, in terms of the drivers that they've got, of course, it's a bit of a similar situation at the moment where they've got the high-profile marquee Sebastian Vettel, who I think we can all agree a lot of us have learned to love him a lot more than perhaps some of us did in the past because he's such a wholesome human being, as well as an incredible race driver. Um, that being said, he's put together some great performances this year on occasion. Hungry, he was fantastic. He was unlucky not to win that race and to keep that podium, of course, because the car was... DQ'd for having less uh, below the minimum um, uh, fuel sample that they were allowed um, to provide. And then, of course, you had that performance in Baku, which was able to get on the podium there as well. So, 
you know, there have been moments this season where Aston Martin have really turned up. And I think we saw Mexico this weekend. Vettel was very, very strong getting that P7. You know, they looked like they were going to get a good result and they did. So as far as the championship this year goes, of course, they're going to be disappointed that they're going to lose out to the likes of Alpine and AlphaTauri and even higher, considering where they finished last season as arguably the third fastest team. Um, and now they've dropped to basically the the worst of the midfield uh, with all due respect to uh, the teams behind them. So it, it's going to be a tough year for them to take. But given what we've seen with the pandemic and everything else where everything's been homologated this year, this is just one of those years where they can just say, well, look, we did the best we could with what we can. Now we've got free reign to work beyond that for this project we're embarking on. Um, whether the drivers are going to be there to see it through, I don't know. But I think Aston Martin fans right now should be looking ahead rather than worrying too much about this season. It, it happens sometimes, you know, it happened to Ferrari last season and look where they are now and look where they could be. So, you know, I, I can only think that it's going to be better for us, better days ahead for Aston Martin. So I wouldn't worry right now if I were them. Yeah, it's an ambitious project by Lawrence Strong. I think everyone knew that when um, when he took over the team. And, you know, sometimes these things pay off, but you can't ever expect them to, you know, to come on straight away. Um, going on to another team that, well, we'd hope would have a better um, 2022, uh, Tom Williams. At the moment, it seems to be a sort of a very repeatable pattern. You know, George gets into Q2, as you would expect. Uh, Latifi sometimes gets into Q2, but then when it comes to the race, they drop like a stone through the order. You know, last weekend they finished 16th, 17th, both two laps down. Are they just seeing out the, the end of the season now? Because realistically, they've got more points than, well, a lot more points than they would have expected to get. They're in quite a safe place in, in eighth in the constructors. Is it just a matter of seeing out these final four races and hoping that they get off on the front foot in 2022? I think so, yeah, because they're not, realistically, they're not going to be catching um, whoever's seventh in the championship. I can't even think who's seventh. Is it Aston Martin? Yeah, it's Aston Martin. Thank you. Uh, yeah, realistically, they're not going to be catching Aston Martin. Um and I think they are ahead enough of Alfa Romeo that they don't have to be looking over their shoulder too much. Um, although Kimi getting points was obviously a nice surprise for for the uh, for Alpha. Um, it does feel like they've sort of plateaued a bit since they had those sort of highs around um, around sort of. Well, it started at Austria really, and obviously then peaked at the race that was not to be in Brazil. Uh, not Brazil, sorry, Belgium. Uh, getting my bees confused. Um, you know, obviously with, with Russell finishing on the podium in in the in, in that so-called race, the team, the, the cells, they, they probably are just seeing out the rest of the season because we've got four or five races left. Um, there's no point really developing the car anymore because um, they're not, like I said, they're not going to get enough to get seventh and they're probably not going to fall back to ninth. That Mercedes Payne has got enough grunt to cover, to sort of cover off enough issues that they've got. Um, it will be interesting to see how they move into 2022. Obviously, with Latifi and Albon, that is quite an interesting driver lineup. Um, not slating either driver by any means. Um, Albon is a decent driver, and I think I think Latifi's not bad either. Yes, he does come from money, so there is obviously going to be a question mark around that. But that's a big, that's a whole podcast in itself. Um, with regards to how they're going to do next year, I would like to see an improvement. I'd, have, I'd at the very least like to see the Williams in the midfield. Realistically, I don't think we're going to see them towards the fronts of the midfield. I don't think we're going to see them fighting with like Ferrari and McLaren. I think, but if we can see them getting into Getting into some good fights with um, uh, with the likes of sort of Alpine, Alpha Tauri, that that kind of area on a regular basis, I think that will do the team well for the rest of the season. I think it's just going to be a case of George Russell into Q two, and then in the race they just slip back to just in front of the two house drivers. Yeah, it, it does seem to be the sort of the predictable pattern of of Williams. Um, now moving on to Alfa 
Romero, Owain, you know, P8 for Kimi, not, uh, that's not um, bad by any accounts, but Antonio Giovinazzi, P11, you know, aside from anything you really can say about Alfa Romeo and what their potential performance is going to be this weekend, I think the main sort of question or the query is what is going to happen with Giovinazzi? What, where is he going to be? Is he going to resign? And given recent performances, it could mean he's on his way out. Yeah, I think to um, to give himself a, a much better chance of being re-signed um, rather than resigned, um, it would uh, it would it would have taken him being in uh, in that eighth place. You know, Kimi Räikkönen is the guy on the way out, the one we've been saying that he's just trundling around, collecting the paycheck and and enjoying. You know, his his last sort of his last maybe under last sort of uh, his miles in a in a one car, whereas Giovinazzi still has a sort of you know a fairly burgeoning career. Um, I, I, it's it's kind of looking at to to the uh, it's kind of looking the way of that he'll you know be replaced by someone else, um, you know someone maybe more promising, someone from the young driver program, because you know it's 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 a you know he's he's a decent sort of driver, you know he doesn't make too many mistakes, he doesn't throw it in the wall too often, um, but he does throw it in in the wall more often uh, than you'd like for someone who doesn't have a particular amount of qualifying speed, can't race particularly well. Um, it's just kind of a bit, you know, he's, he's, he strikes you as very, one of those drivers who, who'll, you know, be here for a few years and then go away. You know, it's, uh, and that's unfortunate. I don't want to, you know, just, I don't want to say that the guy's terrible because, you know, he's one in, in the top sort of 20 drivers in the world, but, you know, you know he, should, he should be getting better than that um, or at least should be beating his teammate because his teammate is, you know, good 10 15 years older than him that's 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 important to remember and and unfortunately you know the points seem to be coming from from Kimi Raikkonen at least in you know the last few races so it's just kind of it, it's kind of it's it's really starting to uh to leave the sword of Damocles above his head I think is is the best way I can put it um and you know he needs to go well find a way honestly to go well in the next race or two you know maybe use the sprint to get yourself up the grid um something like that because uh, otherwise it's it's starting to look a bit bleak for his career prospects yeah antonio giovinazzi currently sits in 18th in the in the in the standings just on the single point um kimi raikkonen 16th with 10 points uh he's literally got 10 times the amount of points as antonio giovinazzi and he's what nearly double his age it's it's not it's not the the best look but um at least he is ahead of two drivers, Adam, and you've drawn the unfortunate short straw of having to talk about the Haas um, team this week. Um, well, I don't know. You can take it away. I, I, <laughs> I don't think there's any questions or comments that, um, you know, that can be made that haven't already been said about Haas this season. Well, I can certainly have a go if you want. Um, sort of sum up where their thoughts are if you like. Have a bit of a monologue on Haas. Um, I mean, it's it's been a funny 2021 for Haas. I mean, we kind of expected their year to go as well as it probably has done. Um, the highlight for them, of course, has been some of the qualifying performances that Mick Schumacher has put in this season. And of course, his races have not been too bad relative to the machinery that he's had. I, I remember, um, I think one of the big highlights for their season or for Mick Schumacher at least was when he made his first actual proper overtake in the race at Portimao when he overtook Latifi and I think that was like P17 uh, at the time or something crazy like that um, because that was the most exciting thing going on at the track at the time so you know you got a bit of a uh, bit of spotlight there and of course carrying the Schumacher name that legacy of course that his father the seven-time world champion had left behind you in his driving career is only going to help us going forward for as long as they have Mick Schumacher in their car, which, you know, it could be just another year. It might not even be that long. We'll have to wait and see. But um, look, all jokes aside, um, on the other side of the garage, it, it's not been an easy year for them. They expected this. They pretty much abandoned all development that wasn't otherwise, you know, homologated and put uh, postponed, if you like, from last season that they were able to put onto the car owing to the financial issues that they've had. Um, it does seem now that as far as they are concerned and what we've heard from Gunther Steiner, what we've heard from Simona Resta, of course, who was 
partly, um, you know, he moved over there from Ferrari as part of that development program and the technical partnership increasing between those two teams, which of course aided the Mick Schumacher transition as well. And it, it does seem that that's going to continue for some time now. Um, so there's a lot of things that Haas fans or people at Haas will certainly be looking forward to to next year. Um, hopefully for them, it will be a start on a project that a lot of teams are embarking on in that part of the field to try and get back into the midfield where they feel they belong. They've obviously had the most time that they've allocated towards that development. They've had the whole year um, and the finances that are going to come with that. Of course, the finances that they've received from uh, the Mazepin family, if you like to obviously give his give him a seat in that car for at least another year after this one. So, you know, the, the real battle for those two drivers is just to learn how to drive a difficult car. Hopefully they'll be able to adjust to next year's car without too many complications and there'll be a year wiser and a year better experience in Formula One for it. So it's a lot of unknowns for us, but for them, they're obviously going to be hoping that next year they can turn up with a relatively competitive car with two drivers that are going to be better ha- capable of handling it than they would have been a year ago. So, as I said, we'll have to wait and see what happens when they turn up on the first day of the season. Everyone will be watching them to see if it's going to be good or uh, and a year well spent or if it's going to be absolute rubbish. And then, of course, their long-term future in Formula 1 is going to come under question with, of course, Gene Haas needing to see results of the amount of money that he's put into this team. And it's a great bunch of people, like I said, Gunther Steiner, uh, Simon Arresto, and many other great people at Haas as well. So I'm probably talking them up a lot more than probably anyone has done this season. But I'm trying to look for the positives because I think in a year when they've been sort of the joke or a, a certain character has been slandered more than others, whether that's deserved or not is a different podcast discussion altogether. But um, I, I do hope for their sake um, that you know, and all the people that work so hard to try and put this all together, that next year they can be in the fight, if you like, rather than just trying to cling on to a Q2 performance from Mick Schumacher in Turkey or a nice few results uh, from him and you know, everything that comes with that, really, rather than just laughing at them for being by far the worst team on the grid at the moment. Yeah, it's, it, like, it is hard to, you know, look, you know, look past all what we've seen from Haas this season to look towards the future. But I think, as any F1 fan will say, we I don't think we get you know much enjoyment and see a team being so terrible. And like think about when Williams were you know right at the back of the grid um, a few years ago, it it wasn't a fun watch, despite the fact that I think both drivers were universally respected rather than uh, just the one. Um, so now we've gone through all the teams. It's now it's now come to the fun part. Um, and our predictions and Tom can start with you so what do you who do you think is going to be on the podium for the Brazilian Grand Prix are we talking sprint podium or race podium race podium <clears throat> I think we're going to have our Lord and Saviour Max Verstappen P1 um, I, I think it is I think we will have Hamilton second and I'm going to throw a curveball in. I'm going to say one of the Ferraris P3. Okay. I'm not saying which one. <laughs> um, away? Yeah, uh, against, against where my heart is on it, uh, I think it's Verstappen's to lose, really. So I, I, I imagine that, you know, unless unless they really get snooked on the strategy, um, which is, I think, I think it's Mercedes' best bet, but bearing in mind um, the way that that played out with Bottas, unfortunately. I mean, that's not entirely his fault, but, um, you know, it, I, I think it's probably going to be Hamilton uh, after Verstappen. Um, and uh, third, I don't really know. I couldn't say. Maybe it, it could be Norris, to be fair. I'm going to go with Norris. Okay. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Um, Adam. Um I'm probably going to be boring and just go Verstappen, Hamilton, Bottas, um, Perez, people. It's a safe bet. I, I think we're going to see a lot of similarities at the, at the Interlagos circuit to what we saw uh, last weekend at the Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez at Mexico City. Obviously not as extreme with the altitude, but Brazil still carries that element to it, which is obviously why Red Bull and the Honda have been so good there the last couple of years that we've been there. Um I just think Verstappen this weekend is still going to have too much. I think they'll certainly be a lot closer um, in qualifying 
Um, so that will give Mercedes a good opportunity. So it's going to be touch and go. I think sprint qualifying is go or the sprint race, if you like, is going to be, um, I would say fairly critical. But again, we get uh, quite a few safety cars at Brazil um, and it's going to come down to who can handle the restarts better than the rest. Um, Red Bull punished Mercedes for that when they had an inferior car. So perhaps Mercedes will look at that and try to do the same thing to them uh, and to Verstappen. They're going to have to put the pressure on Mercedes, whatever they do. If they just go there with a game plan to just sort of see how it goes and not try and force Red Bull and Verstappen's hand, they're going to come off second best. Um, but for now, I'm just going to say, uh, I'm going to be boring and say Verstappen first, Hamilton second and Valtteri Bottas in P3. It's a fair prediction. It's... I think it's all. I think that podium um, sort of trio is one of the most uh, common ones now. Uh, I think it overtook um, uh, Hamilton. Uh, was it Hamilton Rosberg Vettel as the most common um, podium that we've seen in Formula One? Um, personally, I'm going to also go Max Verstappen. I think it's uh, fairly obvious. However, I'm going to go a Red Bull one-two with Perez in second and then Hamilton in third. Shake it up a little bit. Um, and now, of course, bold predictions. So, Tom, what is going to be your bold prediction? Um, Danny Rick out in Q2 again. Is that bold? I don't even know if it is. <laughs> qualifying's been better this season. Uh, sorry, the last couple of races. So, it probably is a bit more bold than it probably was, say, Monaco. Uh, if, 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 if it was Monaco, it would have been a bold prediction. So he got into Q2. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, okay, yeah, Danny Rick out in Q2 or um, Sonoda and Russell into Q3. Fair play. Um, Owen? Oh, Gassi for a win. I think that could work. I think, you know, based on the oh. form, based on the form, and, oh, uh, might have if it does. <laughs> uh, um, Adam. Um, on the Pierre Gasly front, I'm going to put a similar prediction. I think he's going to beat the Ferraris again this weekend for the same reasons I was talking about with Red Bull and the similarities to the Brazil track to Mexico. Yeah, Gasly to beat Ferrari again. I'm going to go for a 2018 flashback. And my bold prediction is going to be Esteban Ocon to take out Max Verstappen while he's in the lead again <laughs> and turn this championship on its head. <laughs> Despite the fact I predicted Verstappen to win the race in the first place. Coach is actually watching now and he's just shoving money. Just like, like <laughs> send the money, send the money. <laughs> I'd forgotten all about that, um, to be fair, until you brought that up. So maybe Christian Horner's post-race interview says we got ocon might be uh, <laughs> rather than Sonoda, might come back to haunt him. <laughs> yeah so um that's that's all from us today um if you're you know watching the show live on youtube you'll know that um that we stream them all however if you are listening later on just know that we stream all of our shows live on youtube um so make sure to subscribe um and hit the bell notification to um well, to be notified uh, anytime that we go live and also for you it means that you get to see the podcast as it's made rather than having to wait for it um to come out um also we do a post show where you can always ask us questions and we'll try to respond to them uh we're also available on spotify apple music amazon music google podcast pocket cast omni studio verbal as well as the f1 chronicle website just search for the f1 grid talk podcast we also have a huge back catalogue of shows. So if you're stuck to something to listen to in, you know, the week before um, the Brazilian Grand Prix, we have over a hundred shows for you to listen to, not just race um, race podcasts, but also interviews with Mario Zola from Pirelli, as well as more documentary style shows like uh, ones on Ayrton Senna and the 1994 Benetton Conspiracy. So feel free to check them out anytime. Also, if you give us a five-star review on iTunes, then we'll give you a shout-out on our next show. All feedback for our podcast is much appreciated. Um, now it's time for the for the plugs. Um, you can all just shout-out, um, you know, what where we can find you. So, Wayne, start with you. Uh, so, uh, 
normally I do a, a sort of roundup of the memes uh, after every race. Uh, it's been faltering a bit just with the way the schedules are now. Um, they're a little bit more difficult to churn out, but uh, there's there's some for almost every race this season up, up to a, a couple of races ago. And uh, yeah, it's just sort of more of a reverent take um, on on the week's proceedings. Uh, and you can find that on sportlightpro.com. And um, Adam? Yep, so you can find us on uh, DNF1. Uh, you just type that in on YouTube, DNF1, and you'll see our podcast, of course, some other videos as well. And of course, if you listen to your favourite podcast on your favourite podcasting platform, you can find us on there as well. Just type in DNF1, F1 podcast. And finally, Tom? Yeah, so I'm part of Everything F1. You can find us on everythingf1.com across all social platforms with the handle at joinef one and also our Facebook group, which is the Everything F1 Paddock. Also, we have a YouTube channel, which you can find again, Everything F1. Um, thank you all um, for coming on today's show. Um, we will we'll be back, um, of course, for the regular programming um, uh, after the sprint race on Saturday and then the normal race on Sunday. So make sure to keep an eye out for when they come out. But um, that's all from us. Thank you for listening or watching or where, wherever you're from. Goodbye. <laughs>